Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the Sanderson, the Bobby Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prude. Yeah. He's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh, hey, Scott. Lay some up for some bees talk right now. I'm looking at dog! It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 166 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. And this is more of a impromptu breaking news skate podcast uh the bruins have they've made a splash trader don has has worked his magic yet again and we've speculated in recent weeks about how what he was going to do our confidence level in him at the nhl trade deadline based off previous seasons going for it and this bruins team is very complete they are the fastest team i think or the fewest games to 90 points tied with like the 79 80s flyers so this team is legit obviously but don sweeney on thursday night was able to add exactly what the doctor ordered for this team and i'm going to throw it to scott and he can inform you the listeners who i'm sure you already are aware of the latest trade for the boston bruins yeah so they got defenseman dmitry orlov and forward garnet hathaway from the capitals in exchange for craig smith a 2023 first round pick, 2025 second round pick, 2024 third round pick. Uh, the Capitals retain 50% of Orlov's salary, which is $5.1 million. Uh, and then the Bruins also send a fifth round pick to the Minnesota Wild to retain another 25%. They get a non prospect back from the Wild, basically, the Wild just clearing a like an extended roster spot type thing, contract spot. Um, so basically Bruins are only paying 25% of Orlov's cap hit. Bridget, I know you're, uh, you're excited to get into the weeds here. What, what were your impressions when you, when you saw this breaking on Twitter? I mean, I have my thoughts. Scott is, has his thoughts, but what, what, what struck you Bridget when you first saw this? Were you surprised, caught off guard, um, happy, sad, different? Well, I, I think, 
caught off guard is probably what what I felt first, just because the Capitals are only two points out of a wild card spot. So like we had been hearing really recently, maybe just like this morning, that the Capitals were sellers, and they're not really one of those traditional teams that looked like they'd be sellers. They made the decision that they're going to unload two of their tougher players. Um, obviously, Tom Wilson being the the guy that's been the thorn in the Bruins side for a long time, but Garnet Hathaway has been that kind of a player to the Bruins too. So you're, you're adding two gritty guys who have that kind of playoff mentality. I saw Jack Edwards tweet that Garnet Hathaway was built to be a Bruin, basically meaning he's kind of like a pest instigator kind of player. Um, so you add two guys that are, First of all, Orlov's played on a Stanley Cup winning team before, and he's a big, tough defenseman, which we knew they needed to add a defenseman. We didn't know if it was just going to be a depth guy, but I would not call Orlov a depth defenseman. And Hathaway is kind of a perfect slot in where you you get rid of Smith, but Garnet Hathaway can fit right in where Smith has played this season on the right side of that uh, third line with Coyle and Frederick, if that's, if that's where you want to put him. He he'll fit fine there. Yeah, there or you know, Frederick goes back to the third line when no secretaries. Hathaway's on the fourth line. Regardless, makes your bottom six better, makes your defense better. Um, to to your point, yeah, Orlov is not just a depth guy. Like, that's not a number seven defenseman. That's an everyday player. That's a guy who was playing on the Capitals' top pairing when they won the Stanley Cup in 2018. Uh, he played over 24 minutes a game that postseason, and you know, yeah, he's not quite the same player, but he's he's only 31. It's not like this is you know a washed up guy in his mid 30s. Like he's still 31. He's still playing over 22 minutes a game this year, and he's still uh, a very good two way defenseman. Like he's you know maybe not a classic kind of shutdown guy, but he can move the puck, and like you said, he can play physical. We've seen that in series against the Bruins. Hathaway is one of the most physical players in the league. We've obviously seen that as well. There's some bad blood between him and the Bruins in the past that I think will be put behind everyone very quickly. Um, Kind of a classic, you know, hate him when he's on the other team, love him when he's on your team type guy. Um, But yeah, it's, you know, Capitals were a team that was in a fascinating situation because they have a lot. One, they're an older team, and two, they have a lot of unrestricted free agents after this season. Like this season, you know, I think going into it, they wanted it to be kind of their last run, at least with parts of this core. Um, similar to what the Bruins are obviously expertly doing, what the Penguins tried to do, and they haven't really, you know, been able to hit yet. Um, but Capitals have had some injuries. John Carlson is still out. Um, and they've lost five straight. And it was around when that losing streak got to like four that you kind of started to hear like, hey, keep an eye on the Capitals. Like might be sellers. Orlov might be available. And then they lost to Detroit. I think was that last night or Tuesday night? Um, you know, another team battling for a wild card spot. And it feels like that was kind of last straw that sort of helped make the decision for them um, to get what, you know, I think they kind of came to the conclusion that, yeah, maybe they'll make the playoffs, but they're not winning the Stanley cup this year. So they might as well, you know, get something for some of their UFAs and every single on that team is a UFA or an RFA. They don't have a single defenseman under contract for next season. 
Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So, um, yeah, so it seems like they just made the the choice that, you know, they're probably not going to win it all this year. So might as well get something for for a couple of those pieces. And it wouldn't be surprising if they maybe move a, a couple more over the next week. So, guys, I I as Bridget said, I did not see this coming at all. I did not anticipate the Capitals being being sellers. They were in Boston last week and they played probably their best game of the year. Um you know, a potential turnaround game for the Capitals and Garnet Hathaway was a huge part of that. You know, I was looking at the wild card standings recently and I was like, I don't want the Bruins to play the Capitals because I feel like playing Ovechkin and Tom Wilson and guys like Garnet Hathaway, we're going to take a serious physical toll on the Bruins. And he is one of those players, especially in that bubble season or like the year after COVID, but like when they were still kind of in like the those you know, four divisions or whatever it was. It was like the mass mutual East, whatever Boston played the capitals like 15 times that year. Um, like Good job I remembering the sponsor, Brian, they're you. very important. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I, I hated playing against the caps because, because, because Hathaway was just like a wrecking ball out there. And then in the playoffs too. And this year I was not looking forward to them playing him. And I guess, if you can't beat them, join them. And, 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 you know, they, they add them to the team. And it's like, to your point, Scott, he's one of the best fourth line physical agitators in the national hockey league. Like this is exactly what this Bruins bottom six needed. Like I'm not like Hathaway is not going to make an all-star team anytime soon, but he's the type of guy that you need in your bottom six that wins you playoff series not necessarily on the scoreboard, although maybe he could help there, but the toll it takes on the opponents. You play Carolina, all of a sudden, like you're not you're not being bullied around the boards or around the ice. Not that they necessarily would have been in the first place, but he just he helps that element for them. You look at the Bruins bottom six, they have a lot of grit now. Felino, Greer, Frederick, Hathaway, Nosek. Like I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but like it's they're just in a great, great spot now. And and yeah, and here we were talking about are they going to add a depth guy on defense? And if it, like it was like the only non-depth guy was like Chikrin, and that just wasn't. We all kind of thought that wasn't going to happen anyway. But Orloff never crossed my mind. He's a he's a, as you said, Scott. He's a he's a he's a top top four guy. It's 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 and for what they gave up, you gave up Craig Smith, who's a good locker room guy, but that's about it at this point in his career. And the picks, who gives who gives a crap about your thirty second overall pick this year, right? It's like, I, I and I know they give up a couple of subsequent picks in you know uh, future seasons, but I just w- between the salary retention and, and the fit that these guys are going to have on this team, um, I think that this was an absolutely phenomenal move by Don Sweeney, and and the Bruins organization should be really really happy with themselves and on a job well done. Yeah, no, it was a it was a, a really smart move. And we'd been talking about Gavrikov um as the other player that was linked to the Bruins and how we wouldn't give up a first for him. But when the deal is that you're getting not just one, but two guys that can play on your roster on a nightly basis, and um, you know, the the quality that that they are, like Orlov and and especially Orloff, but also Hathaway is a guy you can put in any day that you need him. Um, it, it's not, it's not a concern that you gave up a first round pick for this. Like this deal is fine. Um, 
I, I don't know if you guys have any critiques of the the move in any way. Is it, I know we, we've kind of just went over, it doesn't seem like it was too much to give up. Is there anything you would have changed about it? Is this, you know, pretty much cover all of the stuff that the Bruins need for the playoffs? Yeah, I think it's like pretty much a perfect deal. I mean, like you said, like we're talking about Gavrikov and how, you know, Columbus is asking for a first round pick plus, And it's like, you know, I, I think Gavrikov is a perfectly fine player. I think he would have helped the Bruins, but like that was a lot to give up for him. And I just think Orlov's better. I mean, yes, he's also older, but like, who cares? Most likely either one was just going to be a rental anyways. You know, we'll see how this goes. Maybe things go well and, Orlov wants to stay on something of a team-friendly deal. Like, we'll see how that plays out. But I like Orlov more than Gavrikov. Gavrikov is bigger, but Orlov's more physical. Like, you know, he's... And I just think he's a better all-around player. And Hathaway, it's like... Yeah, that's the... The Bruins would have been looking for another guy like that because it sounds like Craig Smith was probably going to be on the move almost no matter what. Elliot Friedman had mentioned that they even talked to Carolina about him, which... I didn't like that idea because it's like, okay, yes, I understand you, you know, your options are limited when you're trying to dump a contract, but it's just like that little nagging thought of like, but what if like Craig Smith gets hot in an Eastern conference finals against him? Like what if like that would sting? Um, So now you don't have to do that. Now you send him to Washington and, you know, I guess Washington could still turn around and and flip him somewhere before next week. So like, but you know, you did your part. Um, you know, Smith was probably going somewhere no matter what. And Hathaway is just, he's a better fit for their bottom six. I think he's first off, he's been more productive than Smith this season, um, just on a strict points level, but also just in terms of how they want their bottom six to play. And Don Sweeney even talked about this Thursday night. He already met with the media via zoom and said, you know, he really fits like what we want to do in our bottom six. And, to me, that's not just the physicality, but it's also that he's a good player. He has extremely good on ice defense results. Like if you look into the analytics and that's critical, like if you're, that's why like a, a guy like Ivan Barbashev, I also had questions about when he came up where I was like, okay, like I, I like Barbashev and there's some offensive upside there, but Barbashev is not a good defensive player. So I was like, does that really fit in the Bruins bottom six? And then you see Hathaway and it's like, Oh yeah, that does. Like this is exactly the kind of guy that fits this lineup and fits how this team plays. I just, I, I'm just like, I'm just like really, really pleased with this. I, I, it's, it's something I just didn't anticipate happening because you know, it's Hathaway is not a sexy name, and I also just didn't think that that the Capitals were like were sellers, like I mentioned earlier. But like, you're talking about a guy who who you you hated to watch against the Bruins, as I mentioned earlier, because he was so effective and worked so hard, and he was noticeable. And to add that to your team now, to me, is just so impressive and so important going into what's gonna what's called the second season in the NHL and the playoffs, which is a more taxing. And he is built for that type of hockey. He thrives in that type of hockey. And he brings, he brings championship effort every single time he's on the ice. And I just, like, I, I just anticipate a line of like him and Felino just like being wrecking balls on a four check. And, you know, you, you insert no sex, uh, you know, poise, I guess, and experience up the middle there. 
and even if this is, if it's a different type of combination, but like that's what I would imagine. I just I just think that this this forward group is so complete now. They have they have so much high end talent. They have so much experience, so much character, so much grit, so much smarts. Like this forward group to me, like you can it, it might be easy to get carried away if like the Rangers end up going out and getting like Patrick Kane in addition to Tarasenko and like yeah, those are like flashy moves, but. The Bruins are they are building a, a championship team right now. And the foundation has been there all season. And I just love that addition of Hathaway. And uh yeah, and Orlov's a little bit more of like a interesting situation because I feel like I mean we've watched him. Uh I, I think Bruins fans might remember he he had a hit on Kevin Miller that took him out of that playoff series. So to Scott mentioning his physicality earlier. Um, but he, he, he moves the puck. Well, he's a good skater, all that stuff. And like, like you guys mentioned, he was a top pair guy on a cup winning team. Gavrikov. I just never felt comfortable with the price. It's like, uh, uh Anthony over at, at Bruins network. I know he, he put that really cool thread together of Gavrikov's highlights and stuff. And it was just like, it was really intuitive, but I just kept thinking to myself, like, they're going to give up a first rounder for, for like a glorified like forward. Like I just didn't see it, but like Orloff makes sense because Orloff has that upside and um, yeah, Don Sweeney knocked us out of the park. I have, I have a question off that. So is we talked about how these are two physical players and this is just one, you know, thought that popped into my mind when I saw the deal was, are these guys, if you think about the way the Bruins have played this season, they don't really have that one guy that just like gets baited, at least this year. I mean, Marshawn in the past, Frederick at times, Clifton in the past were kind of players that could get baited into things. And the playoffs are obviously not a time to be taking stupid penalties, retaliation penalties. Are either of these two guys, Hathaway or Orlov, um, at risk of maybe going a little bit too far. Like you mentioned the Orlov hit to the head. Some of the, sometimes these guys, um, you know, do end up getting themselves in trouble with penalties. Do you think that will be an issue? I mean, it could be that's, you know, I would say more with Hathaway, like Orlov, there was that hit on Kevin Miller, but in general, I don't think he has a reputation as a dirty player. Um, Hathaway has had some questionable ones, including, a couple against the Bruins. He had uh, a hit from behind on Jared Tenorti a few years ago that injured Tenorti. Um, he had one last year on Brad Marchand that we all at the time thought knocked Marchand out of at least a few games, and Marchand amazingly played the next game. Um, so he he has gone up to the line and, you know, depending on your perspective, crossed it uh, a few times. So... Yeah, like that could happen, but again, that's kind of the risk you take with a guy like that who brings, you know, if Hathaway were just a goon and there were nothing else in his game, it'd be like, yeah, I don't know if that's a guy I trust in my lineup in the playoffs. But because he is also good defensively, because he has some pop, um, you know, he has a pretty good shot. Uh, I think like you, you live with that and you hope that, you know, he, he hits hard, but clean and keeps it in check. But yeah, like that possibility is there just like it's been there with Marsh and his whole career. Like, um, you know, as long as they're, as long as that kind of player is doing enough other things, uh, you'll, you'll live with that. You, you just hope that, you know, he doesn't cross a line and, and 
get himself a major penalty or, you know, ejected or whatever at, at uh, an inopportune time. I, I, I echo Scott's comments there. I guess, Bridget, to answer a question you asked a few minutes ago, I don't know if I actually answered it. Um, like, do I think the Bruins need to keep adding? I, I, I'm, I'm very content with where this, this roster is right now. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think they need to add anything else. They, I think they have that depth, and I think they have the team that they want. Furthermore, I think they were able to add without damning the locker room chemistry, um, or at, at least as little as possible. Right? Like Craig Smith was a really, really um, liked guy in that room. He was charismatic. He was funny. I think the guys loved him, but I also think that Craig Smith knew and that his teammates knew that this may have been an inevitability at some point this season. And I think that while it's disappointing to lose a teammate at any point, I think that everybody involved is like, I think they get it. I think that they'll be able to, you know, shake that one off and, and just understand that that's the business where it's like, they didn't, they didn't rock the boat too much. Um, like when, when this deal first came out, I, I forget who it was, David Pagnata or something like that. Some, some reporter with somebody, I guess. sorry for the details there. Um, the, the fourth period, the fourth period, yeah. you know, he, he, his, he initially reported that Hathaway and Orloff were coming to Boston and Smith, Zaboral and Clifton were going the other way. And, you know, I was like, I honestly, I, I didn't, I hated the idea that Clifton would be going the other way just because he's had such a strong year. I knew he was, he's a pending free agent after the season and that the Bruins might not be able to keep him going forward. But like, he's just been such a good contributor to them all year and brings a unique element to that blue line that others don't offer. Like, so I, while I didn't think that would have been the end of the world, I wasn't a fan of that. And when I saw that it was just Craig Smith off the roster, I was like relieved because I was like, well, that's not rocking the boat too much from roster movement wise and also i really like clifton on this team going forward in the playoffs because of his physicality and uniqueness so i like it could have been more that was going more roster players going the other way as it was initially reported but i'm glad that that wasn't the case well that brings us to our next question do you where do you slot in orloff is it clifton that comes out of the lineup who who's who's getting time who's missing time now because we have Six everyday defensemen. Nobody's currently injured, which could change. You know, I guess maybe that's your answer. Whoever is least healthy or if there's an injury. But at this point in time, who are you taking out of the lineup and where are you slotting Orlov in as a defensive pair? Yeah, that'll be interesting. I think there's definitely going to be some rotation and they'll try them in different spots. Um, Don Sweeney mentioned that they believe Orlov can play either side effectively so that gives even more versatility and more options there. Um, he also, Sweeney also mentioned that uh, a couple guys have been a little banged up and not enough to miss games, but, you know, just dealing with some nagging stuff. So gives more opportunity to rest some of those guys, which, you know, I, I've, I had said a few times, like I wondered why when some of those things came up, they didn't get Zaboral in. And it's like, well, obviously they just simply don't trust Zaboral or, you know, don't really want to play him unless they unless they absolutely have to. And now he gets bumped, you know, one spot even further down to where he's the eighth defenseman, which is really the maximum you can even carry on your roster. So we'll see if he even sticks around. I still wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up 
getting traded in another deal. Um, but yeah, so as you know, I tweeted out like what a playoff lineup could look like. And, you know, just for the heck of it, like I went Lindholm McAvoy, Orlov Carlo, and then Forbert with either Grizzly or Clifton. Um, but it really could be anything. Like I would still lean towards, you know, come playoff time, like Clifton probably seems like the most likely from that group to sit, but that could also be matchup dependent because, you know, Matt Grizzly doesn't play on either special teams unit. So if there's, you know, if you maybe don't love the five on five matchup or how he would fare in it, like I could see him sitting, you know, it's, um, you know, I, I could see Forbert sitting at some point. Like I, I know he seems like a lock because of his penalty killing, but like Orlov also does kill penalties. So, you know, not, the kind not the sheer number of minutes that Forbert does, but like he can fill in there. So they're going to have a lot of options and you know how, what they actually eventually settle on will be determined by how guys are playing down the stretch. You know, what I think is most important though, is that they now clearly and by far have the best seven man D unit in the NHL. They arguably already had the best six man unit. Now you add someone like Orlov to it without subtracting and it's like yeah like no no one we'll see what other teams do before the deadline but right now no one can match that if i were if i were a betting individual i would say that the five guys when healthy come playoff time that would probably have a locked up spot on the on the, on the blue line would be mcavoy lindholm carlo orlov and forbert and I would say I would say Forbert because I just think the Bruins love his size, and I think they really love his penalty killing. And I and and I know you said that Orlov can PK as well, Scott. But I just think I think he's too valuable to what the Bruins want in a third pairing shutdown guy. And I think he's um, not going anywhere. So I I would say Bridget. I would say probably Clifton or Grizzlick and. I don't know. I just think the Bruins are really comfortable with that 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 Clifton Forbert third pair. Where I feel like they could look at Grizzly and say, "Well, Matt moves the puck really well. Orloff can move the puck really well." Um, and I think that they could look at Orloff as a bit more of a uh, less less of a liability physically out there. And I think Grizzly might be, in theory, the one guy who would be on the. Uh, <laughs> um, Sorry, I'm just I'm just reading you guys a side chat, but <laughs> I think I think I think Grizzly would be probably potentially the odd man out. But to Scott's point, it would be matchup dependent: who's healthy, who's going, who's not. Um, so yeah, but 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 you know, great problem to have though. I guess that I mean maybe we wrap up on this question: um, where does it leave the Bruins in comparison to the other contenders in the East? Have they been able to? solidify their spot now that you know the dust is settled theoretically like i think they're probably done with moves um where everything sits right now with toronto's moves uh you know where carolina is rangers where do they where do they slot in did did they pretty much guarantee that they're the number one team going in and it's there to their stanley cup to lose yeah i i think so because i think all those teams were already chasing them. So while they made, you know, some of them have made arguably bigger moves, the Leafs getting O'Reilly, the Rangers getting Tarasenko. I think all those did was 
close the gap a little. I don't think either team had caught the Bruins or certainly passed them. So this does help, you know, solidify the Bruins as the top team. We'll see what else is still to come. You know, Leafs could still make another move. Rangers are still being linked to Patrick Kane, even after trading for Tarasenko. Um, Carolina's a real wild card. They have over $10 million in cap space. They can do almost whatever they want. And it would be, I would be shocked if they like don't do something big. Um, They've, you know, they've come up short in the past. Like last year, they should have done something bigger and they settled for Max Domi and it ultimately wasn't enough for them. So you would think that they've learned from that and they'll do something bigger this year, but we'll see. So it's, it's, still going to be an absolute dogfight of, of of an Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, you know, I still think the Bruins are going to be the favorite, but like, I'm not sure there was anything they could do where it was like, oh, okay, it's going to be a pushover. They're just going to roll through everyone. Like, I don't think you're going to do that because these other teams aren't rolling over for you. Um, but the Bruins definitely just got better and added guys that help with playoff style hockey. I'll tell you who the, the most fortunate team in the league is this year is going to be the Western conference champions, because I just feel like the Eastern conference is as, as you just mentioned, is going to be an absolute dogfight. And uh, I do think the Bruins are the most complete team as it stands right now. I think if the hurricanes were to go out there and get like a Patrick Kane, I think that really, you know, potential hip injury aside, I think that really bolsters a strong offensive unit, but just lacks star power. And their decor is you right up there with the Bruins, I would say. Um, Goaltending, I would give the Bruins the edge. But, like, you know, Carolina would be pretty damn complete if they would add a big fish like that up front. But I know Patrick Kane, I think, wants to go to the Rangers if, if, if it's a possibility. I think he wants to maybe play with Panarin and others and play in New York. And he's not going to want to be a part of Chicago's future. Obviously, there is – no future to speak of at the moment. So, um, you know, Toronto, they got a great addition in Ryan O'Reilly, obviously Noel Chari and people are going to forget about him, but he's a good addition as well. You know, brings a similar style to what Hathaway is, is bringing to Boston. I think, you know, Hathaway is a little bit probably better at it, but like, um, and then Tampa, you can never sleep on Tampa Bay. So, I do think the brew. I, I I do think as it stands right now, the East is still Boston's to lose. Um, but there's no shame in anybody falling in the conference finals this year in the East because it's such a strong conference. That's why I started off my my take with like, what a fortunate Western Conference champion this year because I think the I think the favorite to win the cup is coming out of the East regardless. But like, it's just going to be such a gauntlet to get there. Whereas like you look out West and it's like you got Dallas and a healthy Colorado and a couple other teams, but it's like, I don't know. The West is, I, I saw somewhere, I think on like Sportsnet tonight or something that like the Eastern conference is like 230 something wins with like 140 something losses to the West this year. Like it's just been a dominant performance for the East over the West this year. So the playoffs will be uh really tough for any team coming out of the East. Yeah. I guess if you're coming out of the West, you just hope that, the Eastern conference finalist is they, they got beaten up along the way and they lost a few guys in tough games. And that's what really you're looking at. Um, But yeah, no. And by the way, when we say, you know, it's the Bruins uh, spot to lose, we're not even talking about regular season, regular season. Like it was already 
Bruins. Um, but we're talking about the playoffs. We're talking about the chances of winning the Stanley Cup. And guys, another thing that I'm but, happy but about. Before we switch, you? just before yeah. we switch topics, uh, we're guilty of it. I think a lot of people are, but we always seem to leave the devils out of these discussions. And while I have them like maybe a little below the top teams, they really haven't fallen off much. Like they're still hanging around. And but based on some reports, like they might be the favorites to land Timo Meyer, which would be, you know, quite the splash for them as well. So, uh, you know, we we probably shouldn't totally ignore the Devils either. Well, yeah, especially since there's still plenty of time. The trade deadline is March 3rd. So we're still we're you know, we're, we're not there yet. Uh, any of those teams and some of those teams haven't made big moves yet. Um, and we know they're going to. So there's still plenty that can happen. This was a surprise for the Bruins. I'm sure we're, we're going to be in for a few more surprises. Like you mentioned, Scott, Carolina can do whatever. They, they might be able to pull off something sneaky as we get closer and teams really decide whether or not they're a Stanley Cup contender or if they're selling. So, you know, there's still some trades to be made with teams that are deciding whether or not they're sellers this year. Um, and so, yeah, anything, th- this w- conversation will change as soon as Carolina or the Devils or, you know, whoever else decides to make another move. You know, one other thing too, that I feel like the Bruins really address and Bridget, you could just, you just talked about like how potentially somebody who comes out of the East will be really beat up. And that's what I was alluding to as well. But the, the attrition factor, that element of, of the playoffs, the Bruins are much more equipped for now because number one, a guy like Hathaway is going to be dishing it more than like for the Bruins in the Bruins favors. Like the, like the Bruins are that team now that's going to impose their will on other teams. Like, whereas in the last couple of years, the Bruins kind of fell short in that category. They let, they let the Islanders, you know, push them around and in the hurricanes. And I just like, so that's like a big pendulum swing for me. And and also, like, the Bruins have a really good ability now to police the game. Like, Felino and Hathaway and Frederick and others, like, the Bruins have that ability now to weather the, the physical storm of another team and just shove it back in their face. And so, like, the Bruins are better off for it now in, in that category. And attrition is arguably the most important part of a deep playoff run. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, so I, I guess, I don't know if you guys had any other topics you want to hit on just before. Uh, I keep thinking you know, of other stuff. Little I, wrap I up, look ahead. <laughs> um, yeah. A few little things. So, um, you know, some of the, some of the rest of the teams in the Eastern conference decided to add skill. We're t- like talking about like this Tarasenko move, but um, Toronto added guys that could, you know, help with attrition, Brian, like, um, it's interesting to see if people, what the strategy is. Like, I think the Bruins are smart for going that route. That's what they needed. But in terms of building a team for the playoffs, this is clearly a move that is it's for the playoffs. It's what you need um, in order to fight through. And I wonder if they felt a little bit of attrition last year against Carolina and they were like, well, we're not like we learned from last year. Um, And we don't, you know, even, playing O'Reilly they they know from when they played St. Louis that he's a guy that can that can beat you down a little bit too so they're trying to match what they see and learn from what what happened in 2019 and and last season I think 
Yeah, and that's like especially part of you know now having seven NHL defensemen where we're like, geez, we don't even know like who's coming out of the lineup. It's you know in years past they've had six good defensemen and some nice depth defensemen that you know you're like yeah you know they they they'll probably be okay if uh, if they have to go in, and then someone gets hurt whether it's a Grizzlick or a Carlo or Lindholm last year. Yeah, and McAvoy realize, missed the game last, yeah. last year against Carolina. Yeah, and you realize, like, ah, you know what? That seventh-eighth guy, he kind of wasn't really good enough for us. And now, like, this is the ultimate way to combat it, is just have seven legitimate NHL starting caliber defensemen. And, yeah, like, one of them's going if to – if everyone's healthy, one of them's going to have to sit each night. But, like, I think Don Sweeney has been looking to do this for a while. Um you know, and has kind of cycled through a couple other guys that didn't quite work out or fit the bill. Like, you know, obviously we know Mike Riley's still buried in the AHL. Anton Strahlman didn't really pan out. Um, you know, Zaboral probably hasn't really developed the way that they were hoping or maybe come back from injury the way they were hoping. But, you know, now it's like, well, you know what? We're not going to put ourselves in a position where one of those guys is our seventh D. Like, we're just going to have seven starting defensemen to begin with. And, and Sweeney even mentioned that on the call. He was like, you know, I don't think we've had a long playoff run where the six defensemen we started with were the six that we finished with. So this is like the ultimate countermeasure to that. It's insane that you can have the cap space to do that. And I just want to go back to the fact that Bergeron and Krejci took such team friendly deals that this is exactly why they did it because they knew at some point it would give the flexibility to put together a as solid a Stanley Cup team as they possibly could. Um, so if you want to talk about the last dance and you want to talk about guys who, you know, sacrifice the money, Bergeron and Krejci are the reason why this team has been able to have their top two centers under contract for so such a low price that you don't, you know, you have the extra room to make these moves and to put together a team that on paper should win a Stanley Cup. But but even then, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but like Washington and Minnesota combined are retaining all of Orlov's salary this year, right? For the Bruins, or am I wrong yeah. about that? Seventy five percent of it. Seventy five percent of it. Okay. Um, Scott, I know you have to go. The Bru- so you know not to bury the lead, but the Bruins. We we came on early because you know the, they're playing Seattle tonight in about just over an hour. So we obviously felt this is more important to discuss, but I guess one last thing for me, Scott. So they won't be in a lineup tonight. Um, you anticipate uh, Hathaway and Orla getting in there Saturday against Vancouver. Yeah. So Sweeney said there were, you know, some logistics to get them out to the West coast. Uh, they were hoping to fly them out on Friday, but that wasn't completely finalized just yet. So when they play will be somewhat dependent on, when they get out there, you know, is does it end up being like late at night and then a turnaround for what will be a, a 4 p.m. Pacific time game against Vancouver? Um, you know, are they able to get on the ice with the team? So all of that will will factor in. Sweeney said ultimately it'll be Jim Montgomery's call, you know, if he thinks they're ready to go right away, you know, first day or two with the team, or if, if he would rather get them, you know, a couple practices first. Um but yeah, I would I would certainly expect that we're going to see them in the lineup on this trip. If if not Saturday, then then Monday or Tuesday for sure. 
I feel like Hathaway slots in right away, and then maybe you want to see Orlov where he matches best on, on a D pair, uh, keep him. Um, you just have more time to figure out what you want to do with him, I guess, if you keep him out of the lineup. Yeah, no, I, I so I think, I think that, um, you know, it, these, these games out West, this Western Canadian swing in, in Seattle as well. Um, you know, they're a little tough to stay up for sometimes, obviously watching McDavid and dry settle is a good reason to stay up. But now we have some, we have some extra motivation to stay up and, and watch how these guys fit into this team. And, 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 you know, you're talking about Hathaway who's he, he's, he's, he's clashed heads with the Bruins in the past. So it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's when a common goal is among people and, you know, you become stronger for it, but it's, it's going to be a pretty cool uh, dynamic to watch. And I, I'm excited for this team going forward. So, and, and thank God we don't have to talk about Jeremy Swayman getting traded anymore. That was yeah. the dumbest fucking conversation over and over and over. I was, I was getting so sick of it. So thank God. Yeah, I feel like I don't know. I think I think Wiggy might try to ride that for another week. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> Get All another right. take. So um, yeah, so so Bruins add Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway. Craig Smith goes to Washington along with a couple of picks. Um, so that's the latest on the Bruins. Thank you for all, all for listening. Enjoy. Well, you you would have already seen uh, the cracking game. So <laughs> enjoy your and weekend. We'll talk to, to you. Tune into Sunday Skate on Sunday, ten a.m. Yes, the best the best one chair in the business on Sunday mornings, Scotty Mac McLaughlin. <laughs> and of course the best producer in the business too, Bridget. Bridget. Mm-hmm. Bridget the real deal Prue. So. <laughs> Bridget who's getting ready for her what five game weekend, possibly. Yeah, more. guys, I took a break out of cramming my notes for four different teams for this weekend. So you're welcome. Busy time of year. <laughs> it's playoffs. All right. All right. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you soon.